Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. My sex and porn addicted spouse has been sober for one year. His intimacy disorder behaviors were off the charts high throughout our relationship, even through periods of low, no acting out. Despite being well-educated, experts see sat and having taken out of the doghouse courses, many intimacy disorder behaviors remain unchanged. Defensiveness, lack of shared reality and distorted memory. You'll have to trust me on that one. And blame shifting. Is that possible for him to learn healthy intimacy behaviors? Well, listening to you read the whole thing was different than my taking notes, which is always interesting. Um, because the first thing I actually think is we have a treatment center called Seeking Integrity in Los Angeles. And this is someone who, you know, I think that they're, and I, I, I don't want to be, uh, say what's going on with someone else. But when I read this, I think there's a lot of manipulation here, a lot of ways of keeping you on your feet so you don't ask, ask, ask the questions that are hard. And um, now, it could be distorted memory. I don't know what to degree. You know, some people are dissociative and they do space out and disappear. And, you know, they come back, you know, not remembering what was going on. That does happen related to trauma. But when you put all these things together, defensiveness, lack of shared reality, that's gaslighting. That's gaslighting. When you see something in front of you and they say, no, it wasn't. And believe me, in the beginning, we are the crazy ones. Okay, you feel crazy because you hear their phone ring and you say, what's going on? And we say, oh, it was just a, a random call, but it really was the affair partner. We're making you crazy. So this kind of shared reality, I mean, there is no such, unless you're really, really crazy, there is no such thing as shared reality in that way. You're different people. So what I feel like is this guy is, um, so I guess I want to say it this way. It feels abusive. Like what you say, and this is what I want, is it possible for him to learn healthy intimacy? I don't know him. That's a diagnosis. That's an overview. That's pending. That's why I mentioned treatment. But um, I don't think you're anywhere near looking at what healthy intimacy might be because what this stuff feels like is abusive or manipulative. It's like, it's sort of like you're still in the problem and you wonder what it would be like to have the solution, but you're still in the problem. That, that's how I read this. Yeah, and Without I, like my I was, notes, by the way. right. No, I was picking up on that too. I like sober for a year, but it doesn't really feel like it. It feels like, and and I don't know that he's acting out with it, you know, sex and porn, you know, specifically. But is he doing something else? I mean, we have a lot of guys that are gaming, you know, using cannabis, drinking. They're doing something else, so they aren't really. I say happy, joyous, and free because that's a twelve-step phrase. You know, you can't be happy, joyous, and free if you're using something else. And so, I'm just kind of questioning if there's, you know, something else going on because at a year you should start, you know, especially you know working with a CSAT. And and I hear off the charts, you know, like that we we deal with that all the time. So so I'm not like I'm not sure, you know. But I like the blame shifting and the gaslighting, that's highly problematic. And if he's not stepping into some truth, coming back and saying, you know, I, you know, I, 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 I did, I did not mean to blame you. Here's what I, I was afraid or whatever. That's problematic. So yeah, you're This is fingers. very typical of the kind of, now we have eight guys sitting in the treatment center, I think tonight, and I know they're listening. So, you know, this is very typical if somebody comes into treatment, they're smart, they're seeing a good therapist, they've taken some of their courses, which by the way, I, I always note 
Out of the Doghouse is a book and a path toward basically getting someone to understand your pain. That doesn't stop them from acting out. Where the addicts need to start is, is sex addiction 101 or porn addiction 101. They start with doghouse because they want to figure out how to make you feel better without necessarily changing anything. So, and by the way, if he's smart and he's talented, I think it's a male, right? I don't know. If he or yeah. she is smart and talented, they take in doghouse. And, you know, this is, that's why I brought up residentials. Like, this is somebody who is not getting it. And I'm a little concerned that you're, you've sort of the, the frog in the boiling water, like you've gotten used to enough so little that what you're asking for is just a bare minimum of what you deserve. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so, and, and to your point about you know, out of the doghouse, many people do not want a label of sex addiction. Now, I personally found the label of addiction super helpful because it gave me a reason why I was doing all these crazy things and it gave me hope that I could change. You know, somebody who is just a cheater, uh, and we've we've seen it where you know cheating once bad enough, but you know like the serial cheater of cheating dozens of times. Well, that's way beyond a cheater. There, there's a really deeper level of you know issues that go with that. But but you know the out of the doghouse is like oh I'll just go work on my cheating. Well, uh, many of the guys, just so you know, many of the guys go oh wait I do need a higher level of help. And, and we're you know the the work groups on I got to do this one on seeking integrity therapists are like, we have a lot of therapists that send their clients to those because that's the psychoeducation that they can't do in regular therapy. So it's not in place of, it actually is as support for, you know, the other things, but um, it, it, you know, if somebody is pursuing their recovery with the same energy, they pursued their addiction, they're going to do great because trust me as an addict, we pursue our addiction. We're thinking about it. We're planning it. We're doing it. We're thinking about it. We're planning it. We're doing it. So anyway, I, I okay. wanted to just add one little note here, which, which mm -hmm. is to the guys at the treatment center. So we've, they've been there most of them, I think all of them for at least a week. And they're, you know, they have more time, more time, like in prison, more time ahead of them. And um, if I asked you guys, I'm not with you, you, you know, I can't hear you, but I know if I ask you what's going on with this guy um, with the defensiveness and the, uh, the spouse having memory. to tell him to get serious yeah. and, you know, uh, and, you know, all of the things that we're reading, I would ask you, what do you think? You know, what do you think is going on here? Um, anyway, please continue. Sorry. So the next one, and you were reading ahead on the next one again. So I've been in a long-term relationship with my essay after 10 years of dealing with his addiction and not going through the 12 steps or getting serious help and repeating acting out. I decided it was time for me to move on and heal myself from the betrayal trauma. Now, since I'm telling him he wants to get serious in treating his addiction, I'm at a crossroads. I think if it wasn't for me telling him I wanted the end of the relationship, he wouldn't be serious and seeking help. I'm afraid if I stay, he will get comfortable and fall back in his old ways. Any suggestions? Um, well, I can tell you this, that most of the men who come to treatment are, are, are there because at the, they're at the end of their rope on the relationship. And Tammy talks to those folks, and I'm sure she can tell you that spouses um, get to a point where they just can't do this anymore. And that's really one of the first, I mean, I, I don't know what, what the real meaning of it is. I can't say this is what happens to the guys. I, I don't want to, I don't want to postulate on that, postulate. I don't want to throw that out there, but I do know the numbers. And I do see that the men who come in are desperately afraid, almost to a one, that they're going to lose an important relationship. 
And that is why they came in. They say they came in to be better people or because they didn't want to live this way. But then my best question is, didn't you want to be a better person a year ago or three weeks ago? Or why are you here now? And of course, the thing almost always is my spouse found out or this happened at work or whatever. So um, I, I wouldn't talk about black and white, like ending the relationship. I would say, I don't think that we can live together. I would say, I'm going to see a lawyer and get a legal separation. There's a lot of ways that you can get very serious. You know, I'd like to see an accountant about separating our finances so I know I'm safe. There are a lot of ways to get the message across that I ain't joking without necessarily saying this is over. So especially after 10 years, you know, so I would say, yes, you have to take it seriously or he won't. Yes. Or she, yes, you have to take steps that prove that, that this is that your words and your actions are aligned. And I just want to ask all of you, uh, please don't, this is really important. Don't threaten unless you're going to follow through. It's a lesson I try to teach whenever I'm talking to spouses is if you want to leave, if something happens again, or if you're going to leave, if they don't get some kind of help or whatever, and they do it or they don't do it, you have to leave or they have to leave. Because once we addicts realize that we can get away with it, and even though you threaten you're going to go, but you don't, well, we know that we're, you know, we're getting what we want and we can just beg and plead and you won't really do what you said. So whatever it is you're committed to do in order to help yourself and the relationship, if something happens, do it or don't say it. Um, yeah. Well, and I'm going, call me, you know, have him call me and we have a treatment program because here's the deal. You've had 10 years and he has frittered around with, you know, doing all of these things. If you're looking at a 12 to 24 month period of time for him to get a foundation, uh, setting healthy boundaries for you. I love what Dr. Rob said, separate finances, do what you need to do, you know, set up, I, you know, we'll have this kind of contact with you. But I, I tell often, I tell guys um, that are calling me, you know, because they're like, well, you know, she'll probably leave if, you know, how do I know she's going to stay? I was like, you stand zero chance of her staying. You know, she's made it really clear to you. You stand zero chance of her staying if you don't get help. I don't know what's going to happen if you do. You, you, you stand a chance of being, you know, a man of integrity, somebody that you can look at yourself in the mirror, um, somebody that, you know, people want to be around. But if you don't get help, you for sure will lose her and you'll do this through three more relationships or however many, because, you know, the patterns will continue to repeat themselves. So, yeah, I mean, mentioning that, Tammy, you know, when we interview, when I interview people who are new or, you know, I inevitably, you know, I've been married twice or three times or whatever it is. What happened to the first relationship? Well, I cheated. What happened to the second relationship? Well, I was looking at porn or I was drinking or like Tammy said, you know, as addicts, we think it's about the other person. And, you know, uh, while we're acting out, I hear this a lot. This isn't the right relationship for me. I, I heard this recently. It was never the right relationship. Well, how long were you together? Nine years. And how long did you cheat on this person? Nine years. Well, it's really hard to determine if it's the right relationship or not when you were hiding, manipulating, gaslighting, and hoping you're not going to get found out. That's called not giving a relationship a chance. And Tammy, you know, I've worked with lots of people who, they love their spouse, they remarried, it's been 10 years, but there's a part of them that always wishes they were back in the relationship they started with. And, um, and I just hate to see people not find a way through. But sometimes you have to say no more. Yeah, so. and at the end of the day, what do you need to do to take care of you? So, okay, next question. Have you ever known an essay to white knuckle successfully and never act out again? What a horrible way to do it. That'd I mean, well, we use explain white knuckling so people can white understand. knuckling. Okay, so uh, that's getting no help and just like 
and, and it's just not acting out. So, so it's, I, oh, I so often say to people, the worst time is stopping the behavior. And before you have the tools and the support that you get with 12 step and with recovery and all of that, because you're just not doing the acting out, but you're not addressing any of the underlying reasons, the reasons why, you know, you felt like dissociating and escaping all of those things. So there's always trauma, um, uh, abandonment, um, abuse, grief, loss, yeah, there's some painful thing, neglect, you know, that's underlying. So white knuckling would be, I'm not going to act out. I'm not going to act out. I'm not going to act out. But I have to now feel the torment of all the feelings that I've tried to step away. And it can't be just switching to another form, like I mentioned earlier, of drinking, you know, cannabis, gaming, you know, something else, eating. That's a biggie. You know, you know the people that well, gain pounds stopping. Yeah, well, mm -hmm. I see lots of men that gain fifty pounds because now they're eating to, you know, to. They're not on the hunt. The, yeah, yeah. So, so mm. I don't know anybody, uh, you know, in any kind of long-term sobriety in any program that has just white knuckled it and and has any happiness or serenity. So. Yeah, that's that? the point I think that Tammy just made is that I have seen people um, grit their teeth and get through not acting out, but they're not happy people. Um, there's a phrase we use in AA called dry drunk. And mm -hmm. that means someone has managed somehow to stop drinking, but they're still a jerk, you know, and they don't seem to have any interest in working on that. Cause after all, I stopped drinking. What more do you want from me? Mm -hmm. And someone recovery would not look at it that way. So I have seen people white knuckle through a lot of things. Um, by the way, white knuckling is, well, imagine I'm really upset and I'm in traffic and I grab the wheel of my car and my knuckles turn white. Or if I grab my Oprah mug really, really tightly, um, mm -hmm. Um, that's why they call it white knuckling, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> broker mug. And, uh, and so really it's, it's, and by the way, it's sort of an attempt to control. It's like, you know, and that is the opposite. It's so odd. The opposite of what we need to do is say, I can't handle this anymore. I can't manage this. And the other side of it is, and I need help. And that's how the relationships are built with a surrender. But the person, well, I'll say it a different way. The person who leaves treatment and says, I got this, I, I'm good. I know what I need to do. You know, and they think that we're going to go, woo, you got it. And what I'm going to say is that worries me because it's a person who leaves treatment who says, boy, I'm, I'm going to take it one day at a time and I'm a little scared and, you know, I'm going to have to really start using the support. That's the person I feel good about because they are aware of their vulnerabilities. And someone who's trying to white knuckle is, is you know, they're really just kind of trying to control uh, the situation rather than surrendering to how vulnerable they are. Um, and you got to get bashed around a little bit before you figure that one out. Um, so, by the way, it will not be successful for this person because they will end up hurting themselves or hurt you so badly that um, it will be obvious it's not working. Yeah, but hurting themselves. I mean, it, it's the very worst situation. And and the people that give lip service to, yeah, you know, I've got all this or I'm going to, you know, it's the people that show up and do their aftercare that are doing, you know, um, like I said earlier, if you lean into recovery with the same energy you you know, did your acting out, you're going to do great. And it's going to feel good. If, if I could wave my magic wand that I don't have, and people could see how good it really can be, everyone would want to pursue recovery, but they don't because they're afraid, they're scared, control, whatever issues. And it's sad to me, but you know, here we are, we've got people that are willing and we're going to keep going. Okay. Got a couple more questions and we got a little more time. I am a female sex addict and have been in recovery for nearly two years. Yay. So I think I'm 
so I, so I am trying to think somewhat long-term. And my question is, do you have any tips for maintaining sobriety clarity when meetings are all online for me since in-person is triggering and 12 step 12 steps are finished? I still go to 12 steps, 12 steps. So I assume you're saying you finished all 12 steps. Great. 10, 11, and 12 are, re, are maintenance steps. You do those every day. Now start again. So, yeah. So, yeah, exactly. So, like, I still go to 12-step meetings. I still sit in first-step meetings. Hallelujah. Well, but so. we can answer the rest of the question without yeah, that please. word. Okay. So, one of the things that I have to say that um, for all the female spouses who are here, it isn't just men who struggle with this. And I think it's really important. And I'm really proud of you as a woman to stand up and say, I have this problem, too. It's so shameful you know, it's, it's just the way it is. A guy comes up and he says, I had a hundred sex partners and he may be sleazy, but he's still a stud. And you have a woman come up and say, she's had 10 sex partners, 20 sex partners. And you know what we call her. So the culture already makes it very difficult for female sex addicts to talk about their problem because they already know how other people look at them. And so spouses, I'm not asking you to have empathy for female sex addicts who might have sexes with sex with their partners, but I do want you to know how much empathy and appreciation I have in my heart for women who are brave enough to take on this journey because you deserve a healthy life and a healthy partnership. Um, and uh, yeah, so let me answer the question. Um, so in terms of, of being concerned about being at meetings and meeting people, all of that, I mean, I have a couple of rules, like you don't leave the meeting unless you're in three. You know, um, if you're going out to meet a couple of friends and then going to a meeting, it has to be three. You do, you know, it's much harder to flirt and get something going when there's a third person there, especially if they're in recovery, because they're going to notice. Um, it, there are lots of ways to have clarity around just any kind of trigger and dating included, which is I call someone before I go to the meeting, I call someone after I call someone before I go on the date, I call someone after it really is. This is about accountability. If we're, I'm going to get triggered, you know, 30 years into recovery, I'm going to get triggered. But what do I do with it? I, I hear so often, um, I don't want to be triggered anymore. Or why do I still get, and triggered means, you know, like you get your heart racing, you saw something that was exciting, you want to go after it. Um, you know, for someone that might be a, a billboard, for someone else that might be a movie, for someone else that might be seeing a name go across the screen. Um, it isn't we prefer not to be triggered, but it, as they say, it takes, uh, it may take years for the lust of the mind to drain away. That's from essay. Um, but on the other hand, what do I do when I'm triggered? That's what matters. Um, you're going to be triggered. I, I have this old story about a guy who uh, he went shopping one day, he did group therapy with me and he went shopping one day and he came back into group and he was so angry because there was a woman where he was working with a really short skirt and he was angry at her because he had been triggered and she should have been dressed in a more so, a polite way so he wouldn't be triggered. And, you know, we're going to be triggered and it isn't anybody else's fault. How do we manage it? What is our plan? Who do we reach out to, as Tammy would say? Anyway, um, all yours. I Dr. put in T. the, the drop-in group for female. I hope you join that. It's on Tuesday nights. It's on the, the sexandrelationshiphealing.com. We have all kinds of drop-in groups. You know, we've got a male partner group. You know, we have you know, female partners. We've got uh, transgender. Amen. We've got a gay men's group. Yeah. So please check those out. They're all free. And they're supported by... Um, uh, there, there's someone there to facilitate them. So they're different than 12 step. It's not 12 step or therapy, but it does provide a safe space for people to go to that can, um, uh, you know, can talk. We, we only use pro-dependent language in the partner. We you know, not codependent. So, so please check that out. So, um, but, 
like I really know for sure for me that recovery is a lifelong journey. There are other female join with some of the online. There have to be, unless you're in, you know, a city of one, another female addict, you know, that you can learn to, and, and it may even be female, you know, AA people. There are some of us that actually get, you know, all of those things too. So, so maybe go to an open AA meeting and see, like, check out options. Think, think bigger. Um, you finish the 12 steps. Good. You had, I assume had a female sponsor. So great, you know, lean into, you know, how, how you can do that in a different way. So, okay. Right. We got a Go ahead. I just want to throw one more thing in there. Um, one of the things it's sort of like those boxes that I talked about. I strategize before you are going to be in a situation, strategize. For example, I've been with people in meetings and the person across from this, they just can't stop staring at them. And then they say, oh my God, I was so triggered by the person across from me in the room and I just couldn't stop staring at them. Move your chair. You know, there are some simple things that simply don't occur to us that we need to plan ahead. Um, here's a really good one and I'll stop. Raise your hand in a meeting and say, I'm always triggered by people in these meetings and I really don't want to be just, you know, own your own stuff right there in the moment. Mm -hmm. You'll let, so hopefully someone won't come over to flirt with you, but someone's going to say, I completely relate. And I hate these meetings. I want to say one more thing to the spouses who are here. Um, some of you don't want to go to the support groups and I've heard basically um, I'm not as uh, unhappy as those other partners or my situation isn't really as bad or, you know, it makes me feel down when I see how troubled they are angry. And, you know, I, I want to say it's the same with the addicts. We go to a meeting and we look for the most unhappy thing that's going on in the room and we say, oh, I don't want to be there because I'm not like that. And that's because we're scared and we don't want to be in this situation. So we find reasons to not get that support. And let me tell you, it's a really great place to go for support. And I hate to say this, but that that woman or man that you see across from you in the, one of those groups and you say, oh, I'm not as sick as them. Well, maybe not exactly, but you have a seat in that chair in that room for whatever reason. And I suggest, you know, I encourage you to take it. It's all free. Yeah. Mary, I'll answer one more if you want. Well, we've got two more and then, but one, one is, we're going to finish because we're going to finish. All one we never do. Well, hang on. So Dr. Robin Tammy, can you address how a lifetime bottom or in other words, reaching a bottom with love addiction or sex addiction is similar to drug or alcohol bottom point? I can't believe the place I find myself as an older person who is finally single and not reaching for a relationship to help me out. P.S. Finding bottom is a love addict. This relationship addiction can really rob us of work opportunity solid peer relations, family connections, and even a solid place to call home. It's sad, but I'm ready. Yes. Yes. To all of that. I mean, like, you know, uh, yes, it is. I say intimacy disorder because you're disconnected. You're so focused on, you know, the acting out and keeping secrets and lies. It keeps us disconnected from real people that are meaningful in our life. Dr. Rob, please. Answer well, I think away. we all have different bottoms. I mean, for me, if my if my spouse of 21 years says, you know, this isn't working for me, that would probably be kick-ass. Or if my friend Tammy over there said, I don't want to work with you, you know, I, I would pay attention, but that's a pretty low place to be. Um, I wrote down what they say in AA, which is jail, institutions, and death. And that is the path for people who don't follow this one. And I'm not saying you're going to die, but your soul will die. Your spirit will die from living this way. There's a reason we called our program Integrity, because it isn't just about how you treat other people. It's about your being one person who feels good about yourself. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, what I see a lot of folks do in love addiction is they give, they end up with concrete 
uh, is, uh, problems like finances, or um, or they are. Um, what did I want to say about that? Um, you know, it, sorry, Tammy. Do you want to ask work that? opportunities, kind of solid lost. peer relations, family connections, and even a solid place to call home? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, well, who cares about that when you're busy acting out? But uh, I don't know what your bottom is. But I tell you, you're not there yet because you're asking this question and you'll know, trust me, you'll know when you are on your knees and not for sex, when you're on your knees begging to not lose or to not end up. And we have lots of folks who end up in jail. We have lots of folks who lose their licenses and don't get to practice anymore. We have some folks who've been arrested for what they were looking at online or who they were picking up. Um, you know, we had folks with diseases they passed on to their spouse. I don't know what you're and by the way, a bottom folks means that it's so bad that I'm done. You know, that is the point at which I'm done. And for somebody, it could be their spouse finding out. And for others, it could be realizing they have HIV. I mean, it's different for everybody on the scale. Um, so I don't know what your bottom is, but I know you're not there yet. Well, I don't know, because this is I'm sad, but I'm ready. So I hear you being at a place well, where you're not okay with continuing this and you are realizing that you've lost a lot and i am you know the queen of hope with this stuff i i have seen so many people that have changed after decades you know of of being in miserable places and and yes your addiction has cost you a lot but you can stop you know you can stop paying out on that and you can start doing something different if you're really ready so again we have a treatment center for men you know that are struggling with this unfortunately we don't work with women but we you know we uh we make referrals so yeah we do so um but yeah if you're really say, ready that's what we do well i want to say one more thing about that tammy and, and i know this is okay with you is that it blows my mind how many men come in who are 68 who are 70, who are 66, and, you know, being not quite that age, but on the way, I think, oh, well, you know, in my head, why would you so radically want to turn your life around? I mean, why do you just live with things the way they are by the time you're a certain age? And I realize, you know, that people want to be connected and they want love no matter what age they are. And, you know, when you're looking at your grandkids, or you're looking at your nieces and nephews or whatever it is, and you want to connect with them, but you're thinking to yourself, if they knew where I was today, um, that's a bottom, you know, for some folks. Anyway, Tammy, such a gift. To we, have, we, have, we have one more question and we're going to answer that. Ooh. And I want to clarify, we work with adult men, so um, they, they have to be, but we have guys in their 20s. We have guys in their 30s, 40s, 50s. So yes, any age, you know, the sooner somebody is willing to commit, you know, the I mean, great, but, but I don't give up on anybody. So, okay, next okay. question and final question. I just found out about my sex addiction two months ago, moved out from Florida to Georgia to stay with my sister for the time being while I'm going to therapy. What steps should I take with my wife if she doesn't want to seek help right now and doesn't want to work thing on things? She has caught me cheating more than multiple times and has taken me back time and time again. No excuses for what I did. However, I just found out about my addiction. And do you think, oh, Pardon me. And do you think it's too late to, <laughs> to work on things? So, well, I'm not sure. There's many questions in here, um, but the bottom line is time. That's what occurs to me. Time that your focus on her um, is a little bit concerning because I don't know what she's going to do or when she's going to do it. Or, but what I'm not hearing is about you. Um, I appreciate that you moved 
to have a safe place to stay. And I'm guessing that your spouse might've kicked you out or something like that. Um, but I think the worst thing you can do, how about this? I can't answer your question, but the worst thing you can do is start asking about it, talking about it, begging for it, asking for forgiveness. You know, this is not where your partner is. They are furious. And the last thing that's on their mind is that, you know, forgiving you, being kind to you. It could be, and I, you know, I write a lot about this. It could be a year before the most loving spouse says, okay, I'm willing to date again. And these expectations that you're putting on your her and yourself, um, or even saying, if she hadn't caught me multiple times, she'd be going back with me. But if she hadn't, you know, I don't know why or what it means to her, but I am glad that she probably is not going to do this again to herself. Um, and if you're going to return in a loving way, you're going to have to act differently and be different. Um, and I'm so impressed with that. By the way, I do hear a little bit of a um, a little bit of a manipulation in here. I don't know if you caught it, Tammy. Sure oh, yeah. you did. Yeah. Which looks like you want, go ahead. Why don't you? Well, because I'm like, oh, she, you know, she caught me multiple times and she took me back. And but I kept doing it. And now I want to focus on her. How do I get her to get help so she'll take me back again after I've cheated and she I honor her for holding the line and Here's what I would strongly encourage you. Focus on you. You said you're going to therapy. If that's all you're doing, I'm glad you're here. Please hear me. Hear me clearly. I'm glad you're here. But if all you're doing is going to a therapist, even the best CSAT therapist, even if you were seeing just Dr. Rob once a week, which he doesn't do that, but if you were, it's not enough. You've got years of doing things. And and, and I'm also like, apparently, this, I'm on a tear. You just learned you had sex addiction two months ago. You've been cheating for how long? So you might have a different label. Right. And I, I mentioned earlier, it was so helpful for me to learn there is an addiction and there is help. You getting help right. for you is how you fix you. And then you, as I've mentioned earlier, then you might stand a chance of her eventually seeing that this is the new guy. This is a different guy than the one I sent to Georgia. So, but you, I think probably stand zero chance you know, if you don't really start working on this, we have, I put a link in earlier. We have drop-in groups, webinars. We have work groups on seeking integrity. We have a treatment program. You really want to get a solid foundation and stop cheating. That's what we do. We're full right now, but we, we will have room, um, but I we're full right say, now. So. so that's not the manipulation that I saw. So there you go. So we saw oh, two manipulations. Okay. Yeah. That's very good, Tammy. I wouldn't have gotten that one. I saw... Just to say it, I just found out about my, about my addiction, which feels a little bit to me like um, it's an excuse. Like, had I known five years ago, then I would have addressed it then. But now that I know, and now, you know, I didn't mean to hurt you because now I know I'm a sex addict. You're still responsible for all of it. It doesn't matter whether you knew it or you didn't know it or, you know, and this person that you love has hurt about all of it. They don't care about your motivation. I care about your motivation. The recovery people, I hope you care about your motivation, but she just cares about how you broke her heart. And so this idea that, well, you didn't understand, this isn't like I have diabetes and that's why I didn't eat your cake. You know, this is a whole different ballgame. And so I think, um, anyway, I have feelings about this. Um, because I think pointing the finger in any way toward poor me, or I wish I had known, or you're an adult, you made your choices. I'm sorry that you're broken in this way, but you can't just say, oh, well, no harm, no foul, because this is wrong with me. Wasn't that or another focus, Yeah, no, I completely agree. And, and, and focusing on her is a distraction from you doing the work because you get to just focus on, well, what do I need to do to help her? It's right. fix you. 
and well, what you know, do I need you're not going to be back? magically fixed, right? Yeah, it, it you know. Well, now I understand how devastating. You hear the drama. Now I understand how devastating it was for my wife, and so I'm going to fix that. You're going to fix that by working on being somebody different. You know, if twelve steps, whatever it takes. But do if you again lean into your recovery with this because you now understand you're a sex addict. If you lean into that and are as pursue that with the same energy that you uh, pursued all the affair partners, you will do great with this. And then she may go, gosh, this guy, I'm willing to, to take a little gamble and trust him a little bit. But it, you know, if you fall back the other way and go, Oh, I got her back. She'll leave again. So as she should. So, okay. I just put a note up. Let me know if everybody got it. And then I'm going to say good night. Yes. Will you read that Tammy? I want you to read it. Whatever you put in front of you, your recovery, you will lose. Whatever you put in front of your recovery, you will lose. So, you and make I your wife the focus of your healing. You're not yeah. going to have a relationship because you you're more your, focused on that than you're getting better. I'm sorry, yeah. Tammy. No, or you make your job or your what, whatever, anything. I oh, right. A hundred percent. You know, if my job is more important than my recovery, well i hear job goodbye too i can't go to treatment because i have my work is too important and i think well if you had a heart attack there wouldn't be any discussion about you know it's but but it's your relationship that is floundering thank you for listening to this episode of overcoming betrayal and addiction if our words have led you to seek help please reach out you can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com